BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Tribune Audio Network. The NBA has highs and lows. You've got to try your best to be the same guy every single day, no matter how it's going. There's going to be days where you miss a ton of shots. There's going to be days where you don't play for whatever. Like, no matter what the case is, you don't want that emotional roller coaster, or it's going to be tough to succeed. You want to be the same guy every single day. From the Fox 6 studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. It's the offseason for the NBA, but Milwaukee is still riding high after one of the best seasons in Bucks history. Shooting guard Pat Connaughton spent his first year with the team and had a career season as number 24 for the Bucks. Pat and I have actually known each other since his time at Notre Dame when I was a sports anchor in South Bend covering his run to the Elite Eight as well as his time as a flame-throwing righty with the Irish baseball team. He's one of the rare athletes to go pro in two sports, drafted in the fourth round by the Orioles, but putting his baseball career on the back burner to chase his basketball dreams. After three years with Portland, he adjusted to a new team and new city this year, playing alongside the eventual MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Pat and I sat down inside the Bucks' training facility at the end of the regular season, so no playoff talk here, but we did get some insight into the team, including some pretty funny superlatives and Pat's illustrious time in high school chorus. And it's a good thing he has a sense of humor because there's a rather good example of my level of sleep deprivation as a morning anchor at the very beginning of our conversation. And with that, we are ready for tip-off. Happy to be joined here by Pat Connaughton, number 34 for the Milwaukee Bucks. Thank you very much for doing this. 24. 24. Oh, my God. 34 is Giannis. I'd love to be number 34. (laughs) That's why. Hey, 24. We're off to a very good start. How do you feel about restarting this? No, I'm cool with being mistaken for Giannis. I'm actually, that's one of the better compliments I've gotten There you go. You couldn't get better than that. Now we don't have to worry about the whole deceptively athletic thing. We (laughs) can just skip over that. I've seen 34 too much here as we've been going through uh, this season as run. Yeah. All right. Deceptively athletic. We should start with that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you and I have a little bit of a history here because I covered you when you were at Notre Dame going through, uh, obviously, following your NBA career here now from afar and then getting to see you in Milwaukee. Uh, I thought I knew a good amount about your career, your background as a player, things like that. I learned something new getting ready for this. Got it. Is What'd your you nickname actually Vanilla Thunder? <laughs> I think that was a – someone gave me that nickname this year okay. since I've been here. Um, but – the reason for the nickname I, I take pride in from a standpoint of, um, you know, because of the dunks I've been fortunate enough to have. And I think hopefully I'll be able to continue to grow upon that. You're certainly someone who's not shy away from thunderous dunks or yeah. anything like that. Uh, why do you enjoy that so much? Why is that such a big part of your game as well as the shooting? Uh, I think it started just when I was a kid. I don't know what it was, but, um, you know, I read in a magazine Vince Carter could dunk when he was in like sixth grade. And I happened to be in sixth grade at the time. And that wasn't in my future from that year. But... Um, there was a comment at the end that said something like, you know, it's amazing for guys that can dunk before they get to high school. And even while they're in high school, it's amazing. So I wanted to try to 
do it. I wanted to try to see if I could get it done before eighth grade. So uh, from a very young age, my dad bought me a weight vest. I ran up and down hills in my neighborhood. I jumped up and down steps and stuff. Um, it was just something I always wanted to do because I didn't see many people around me or in my position doing it. I was going to get to this down the road, but since we're on the topic, if you're in the dunk contest, say, we're, we're dreaming yeah. here, are you a guy who has kind of the elaborate moves and things like that when it comes to the dunks, or are you more just like ferocious two-hands Uh I think a mixture of both. Right. I mean, I think it depends on the dunk contest. I think this past year I could have done a lot of those dunks. I think <laughs> maybe the year before when Aaron Gordon did some of like the under-the-legs right. type stuff, I'm not sure I've ever tried that. So uh, I'd, never have say to, never. I'd have to try to put it in my arsenal if that uh, does come about, but it'd definitely be a fun thing to do. I think you're in an interesting position here, perspective maybe, joining the team this year, having already been in the league for a number of years before that, and then the Bucks go on to have what is one of the best seasons in, in their franchise history. So is there a point early this season, or maybe at some point this season, whether it's training camp or, or once the games began, when you started to get a sense that not only is this team good, but we are best record in the NBA level good. I think one of the reasons we were fortunate to be that good or be this good is because we never really looked too far ahead at that. We kind of took it one game at a time. But I think since the beginning of the year, one of the unique things was the competition within the team. Guys were always pushing each other to get better. Um, we have a lot more depth than I think you know we generally get credit for uh, from guys that can play, guys that can have an impact on a winning team, have an impact in this league. And I think it's shown throughout the season guys have stepped up at different points of the year but like I'd say 14 guys have had like major minutes and played major roles on you know important games and I think that's unique I don't think people actually look at that as much as you know um, who your stars are exactly um, and obviously they're great as well so I think that started the year um, Kind of, but you never really know until you start playing games. So you see the inner competition. There's inner competition on every team, but that just kind of really set us off and made sure that that chip on our shoulder remained, and that chip on our shoulder is kind of what's gotten us to this point. What's it like joining a new team as a professional athlete here? I imagine it's different than coming into a college program or something like that, but you've played against these guys. You know the players, but you don't know them on an everyday basis. How, how difficult is that? How do you kind of work things out uh, as you kind of find your role? I think it's unique to the teams. Um, you know, I was fortunate that this teams uh, from a character standpoint the guys are great guys um, they're all in a similar state from a standpoint of personalities and you know wanting to work hard want to get better want to be the best that they can be um, sometimes that gets lost in translation in the NBA a little bit because it's more of a quote-unquote job um, guys are at different ages in their careers guys have families sometimes there's a little bit of a disconnect just because of the way the professional league is set up um, but I think this team's been really cool with that. Guys are always, you know, around each other. Chemistry is great. I think that chemistry off the floor really carries on to on the floor. It's something that, you know, dates back to Notre Dame. It was something that, you know, uh, my old teammate Jaron and myself really tried to implement our senior year because we believe true leadership and true team success comes from guys feeling some type of way of playing with the guy next to him more than just knowing him from an in-between-the-line standpoint. Yeah. Um, you seem to really kind of hit a stride in the last couple months of the season, maybe last 20 games or so. What maybe switched or clicked for you? Was it just minutes you were playing a lot more and kind of had that impact on the game, or what do you see? I think it was a mixture of everything. Like, uh, you know, for me, the assistant coaches have been great from my development standpoint. Uh, at the beginning of the year, you know, there was a little bit of a tweak I wanted to make in my shot that one of the assistant coaches were helping me with, with the hopes and goals that 
the tweak would help build a stronger foundation so that years uh, ahead of me, I'll be able to continue to build upon it and my, my consistency will be even better from a shooting standpoint. I think that's tough to do at the beginning of a season, trying to change something, but I, I started the year playing a lot. Then there was a lull in the middle of the season where I wasn't. I was in a shooting slump, and uh, I think things finally started to click with the new jumper, started to click with um, understanding you know, I got to make shots, but there's other ways that I can affect the game. And I think that's what's kind of really propelled me into the second half and something that, um, you know, opportunity is always key and making sure that you take advantage of it so that people kind of can see you as a player as opposed to, um, you know, a, a guy that's in and out of the rotation, but something that can long term get better and continue to help the team win. I got to ask, is that a little bit of a, a scary thing as an athlete to have someone tweak with what got you, right? You've been shooting your whole life. If there is something kind of shifting in the form, that has to be kind of a trust and commitment thing to, to really go for that if they do think it's going to be better long term. Yeah, definitely. But I think it's all about how you take the mindset to it. Uh, you know, for me, I pride myself on my athleticism because. Um, sometimes I do get the title deceptive of the athletic and I try to, you know, uh, negate that. Yeah. But it's, it, I had an open mind to it because, because of the athleticism. And, and quite frankly, I think the two sports helped me because uh, I've had to alter things, you know, when I went from college pitching to pro pitching, and that really helped me. But I was able to pick it up quick. And I think um, this was kind of similar to that. I was able to pick it up not as quickly as I necessarily wanted to, but that may not have been as much a – form thing it might have been more of just a mental thing maybe really buying in and I think having that open mind to be able to believe in yourself believe in the coach believe in why it's going to be better and see reasons as to why is a big you know part of it um, I'm curious also about just kind of outside of the the actual games the the life of an athlete adjusting to a new city what is that like when you've spent your first three years in Portland I guess granted both kind of medium-sized cities in the US so maybe that's an easier transition but what's it like getting dropped in here and uh, I'd be curious to start off maybe what your impressions of Milwaukee when you were a visiting player your first three years in the league what'd you think of the city and then maybe how has that changed over a year living here well I think you know kind of going back to your question about what it's like to be on a new team. Yeah. Uh, because I was in the Western Conference, like I didn't play these guys a ton. So it, was, it wasn't like there was any bad blood between me and them before I got here. It wasn't like I had been to Milwaukee that many times. I got here, I was here three times. I've been here once in college to play Marquette. But for the most part, I had only been here for 24-hour stints. Um, but fortunate for me, uh, I went to school in the Midwest. So I kind of had an idea of – um, what Midwest life was like and the, uh, the pace of it, the winters, yeah, things that some people aren't thrilled uh, about from a, a tropical standpoint or lack thereof. But it's something that I grew up, I mean, Northeast is very similar with the winters as well. And uh, just overall pace of life, um, you know, I think it's really cool. I think for me, being closer to school, being closer to Chicago, where a lot of my classmates and friends and stuff now work, um, gives me the ability to go back once in a while. It gives me the ability to um, play closer to family, being in the Eastern Conference, play on our road games or closer to friends and family. And then just the fact of being going to a school like Notre Dame and the people that come from it are from all different places in the world, let alone the United States. They all go to work in different places. So like 
honestly, road games, I know more people. So it's kind of nice to come back and be able to like reset your batteries and, uh, you know, be able to lock in and get the work done that I need to get done, whether it be come to the uh, practice facility twice a day or get treatment or whatever that may be so that I'm ready to perform. Yeah. Are there some things uh, maybe outside of, of the facility in the town that, or, or the arena that you've learned to love about the town? You know, favorite spots, favorite things about Milwaukee? Not until recently. I've gotten better about it recently. Beginning of the year, obviously, new team. I'm trying to make an impression. I'm trying to make sure that I'm putting my best foot forth from a standpoint of hard work and to getting ready for the season. Um, and then, obviously, during the course of the season, we travel so much. Sometimes it's tougher to do. Obviously, with the winter, I'm not out exploring as much unless I got my Eskimo <laughs> jacket. But Especially this winter. <laughs> exactly. Now, now I've kind of been able to. The weather's nicer. Um, end of the season, you're starting to try to make sure you limit the amount of stress you're putting on your body and pounding you're putting on your body, trying to um, take a little more break so you're ready for the playoffs and things of that nature. So um, I think it's really cool the, the way the city gets around their teams. Like I went to a Brewers game for the first time recently and um, having that professional sports team in the city you play in, I think is awesome. I know the Packers aren't far away. Obviously, some of them have come to our games before, which has been cool to see their support. And then just some of the unique little places to eat, coffee shops, things like that, I like. Cause it, it, it adds to the pride of the city, and I think that's really important um, for a professional athlete because you feel it when you're out in the city, when you're out at those places. They're excited to see you. They're excited about the way the team's going, and it shows during the games. Yeah, it seems, uh, at least from my standpoint, you know, a little bit more invested, a little bit more uh caring about the players themselves than it might be in a New York or in LA or, or something like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they have that like they have a new arena here. This is their team's playing well, but like at the end of the day, like this is one of those quote unquote small markets. So you have a little bit more of a feel like you know a guy. Like in New York and the Boston's and the LA's like I mean, how often does anybody ever see LeBron out? Probably not much. But like here, it's only so many places you can go. You feel like you have a connection with the players, and we feel like we have a connection with the fans. And I think that's a really unique chemistry and relationship to build uh, because just as you know, we have a chemistry as teammates that off the floor can help us carry on to the floor. It's kind of the same if you develop relationships with fans. If like the city itself embraces you. They're going to cheer that much harder. They're going to show up for those Tuesday night games in the middle of February, game 58, that is versus a team that's not very good, but the place is still packed. We do a lot of stories, you mentioned the arena, about just the impact it's having on downtown, the impact it's having on the city. Does that matter to you guys on the playing end that you get to play in this basically palace of basketball now, this glittering new, new arena? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's awesome because mostly because of what other people, like what fans think of it and how excited they are to come to the games. You know, like I, I obviously only played here a few times before the new arena, but uh, you know, I, my memory of it was it kind of being a little bit darker, not as warm. I, there was just some, the ambiance of it wasn't as great. Um, but the new arena, I mean, we love playing. We, we're not up in the concourse, so we haven't all, I don't even know if I've been up there yet, but uh, you know, being on the floor and the excitement that it brings to the, to the fans is really cool. I uh, wouldn't be doing my job without a Giannis question or two, so can I yeah. throw this in here? Again, you well, said I thought that I was Giannis. Yeah, for a moment I tried to <laughs> give you his role. He is obviously a player that's kind of come into his own this season. For you as a fellow athlete, what surprises or impresses you about Giannis that, that we can see the physicality that someone like me or a fan in the stands 
is never even going to be close to. You're an actual professional athlete. What impresses you or stands out to you about Giannis? I think what I would say is, which I've said before, like when I got to Milwaukee, when I got here at the beginning, um, my MO throughout kind of my whole career has always been work ethic and hard work and knowing that I'm a pretty well-built 6'5 athletic guy, but when it comes to professional basketball, you know, you can't teach height. There's some limitations I have in my physical attributes. So how am I going to make up for that? That's hard work. That's focusing on the weight room, making sure that my athleticism as, is at as high of a peak as it can be every season um, so that I can surprise people. So I pass the quote-unquote eye test, things of that nature. And so when I got here, you know, I was in the gym for our morning workouts and afternoon stuff. And then I'd go home. I'd come back in the gym every night. I'd be in the gym two, three times a day. And one of the nights uh, I, when I came back, um, you know, Giannis had me in the locker room. And he was like, oh, what are you doing here? And I was like, I come back every night. And he was like, really? He was like, I've never had someone to come back with. Like, usually I come back once in a while, but I'm always the only one here. Like, would you mind if I come back? I was like, no, I'm more than welcome. Um, but I think that kind of speaks to his hard work and mentality like basically what i'm saying is like if you picture me six five relatively well built athlete and the hard work i have to put in in order to do that and then you picture a six eleven freak of an athlete go go get who's willing arms. to put in the same <laughs> yeah. type of hard work it's gonna show you know I mean, the, the stuff he's gonna be able to do like that doesn't happen a lot. A lot of people rely on talent. Like, talent has gotten them there, and that's where you kind of see the differences, why guys make it in the NBA, why guys don't. Yeah. But that next step is guys will work hard, but, like, the hardest working guys that couple that with the most talented guys is when you see something special. And I think that's what I saw since that first week that I was here from him. Um, and that's why I think, you know, people say sky's the limit, but I'm expecting him to reach a different universe. One of the things that strikes me about him is kind of the blend of personalities. Off the court, he seems like a hilarious guy. His social media accounts, the thing, commercials he does, he's, he's really genial. And then on the court, he's just a killer. And the ability to kind of flip that switch and be both, where you don't have to take yourself too seriously, except when it's business time and then it's it's game on. That That is interesting to me. And maybe you see that more often than, than not just among other athletes. But... I think um, one of the things that really helped him with that was he, I think he worked with Kobe. I think I've heard him say once or twice working with Kobe has helped him develop that killer instinct on the floor. I think everyone feeds off of different emotions when they're playing. You know, some guys play better when they're free flowing. Um, you see him smile once in a while on the floor. Some guys play better when like you can't even talk to him. I think he has a good balance. I think there'll be times when he's on the bench where you see him smile and maybe that's the end of the game when we're up 20. But like for the most part, like he never takes himself too seriously, which allows him to take the game very seriously. And I think that's the uh, combination that, um, you know, every athlete tries to find, but he's been very impressive in finding at such a young age. Uh, you mentioned the baseball, and I was going to ask you kind of some questions around that because I know uh, it's all basketball for you right now. Do you still throw at all just to, like, keep the arm loose? I know you're not doing anything professionally at this it, standpoint. It kind of depends. Like, I, I, def I definitely play catch for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like one of those things. Something you grew up doing. Well, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, you know, organizations in the NBA, like, they want you to have a release from basketball, whether it's some guys golf, some guys go to the movies, some guys go on vacation, some guys... I don't know, do what, gamble, do different stuff, right, um, for good or for bad. You know, for me, that's just kind of my getaway. Uh, it's something that you're out there, you're just playing catch, you're in an open field, it's a nice day out, like you're on a baseball field, random field, whatever, football field, whatever it may be. So I definitely do it because 
I think, you know, I hope my NBA career goes for 15, 20 years. But uh, no matter how long it goes, I've been fortunate enough to have the ability to have the chance to play two sports professionally. You know, someday I may give it a shot. Uh, I think I'd be doing a disservice to all the kids that dream about playing one sport professionally, let alone two, if I don't just see it through before I burn the bridge. Um, so in the interim, uh, I want to make sure it still works yeah. uh, <laughs> once in a while. But uh, as long as it doesn't interfere with you know my ability to perform in basketball, I think it's just like a guy going to play golf, a guy going to, I don't know, shoot pool, whatever it may be. I love that you're such a proponent of, of the multi-sports, too, for kids who are coming up playing those different sports as well. Um, yeah. I'll ask sure. you, uh, try to have some fun with the baseball questions as well. Yeah. Uh, are there certain guys that you wish you could strike out? Like, if you dropped you into the major leagues right now, you get one at-bat against somebody in the league, who would you want to strike out? <sighs> Probably Mike Trout. Yeah, and be pretty And good. not because, like of any disdain towards him. I actually love him. I think he's one of my favorite player probably. But I think it would be really fun. He's, he's the in best. my opinion, yeah. the best. So like, I think it would be really fun to have a battle versus him. I think you know, he'd be one of those guys where if you were able to strike him out uh, or if I was able to, um, I'm sure he falls basketball a little bit. I'm sure he'd tip your cap and give you a little smile. But in the back of your head, you can see, like, yeah, with a smile, but he next time he's not going to be so nice. Right. So you just get one preferably just drop me in for one at bat. Let me strike him out and yeah, get right. out. <laughs> Are there things that, that Pat Connaughton was terrible at coming up? We know you're great at basketball. You're great <laughs> at baseball. What are you awful at? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> athletically or in general? Where, wherever you want to go. We can uh, go athletically or uh, if you're an awful singer, you know, feel free to yeah, <laughs> some so bars. Probably singing, okay. I would have to say. Uh, doesn't stop me from doing it once in a while on the call, <laughs> but uh, when I was in, in high school, me and a bunch of my buddies took uh, men's chorus. Nice. And so you see these kids. Uh, I went to a great school back home. Uh, there was probably like 1,400 all-boys school, um, and you see these kids that can sing. Like, they got, they got voices. They can sing. It's what they do. You had to be there. The class was like 20 minutes before school started, so you had like a 20-minute class before school started. You see all these kids that can sing. Then you see like me in the middle, really tall. Probably a little you higher see, like, than the rest. Two of them. football guys next to me. You <laughs> see like a few, a few shorter like baseball guys, but on the end, so they kind of look like they mix in. But there's one group in the middle that you know is like <laughs> they stand out, right? Yeah. Uh, Both height and pitch. Right? <laughs> I'm not sure if anybody. Yeah, it was one of those things where it was like a mixture of pitch, a mixture of lip syncing. Like not sure who could tell in the crowd, who couldn't. But like if you did it because you had to be at school earlier, you got an extra free period during the day. So there was an added incentive to really work on the vocal cords. Gaming the system, I yeah, like. It. Uh, I was having this conversation randomly with a with a friend about what would be kind of the coolest if we were at this level athletically to do. So it kind of fits with with your background. It was striking someone out in a huge moment say it's closing out a game or something like that so as a red sox fan growing up yeah for some reason the i like there's a picture of roger clemens in yankee stadium <laughs> in the yankee pinstripes pitching in like a game seven versus the red sox and i don't know if he struck him out but the picture itself my dad always said it to me i always agreed with him i was young at the time like it's one of the coolest pictures in sports like you see all the flashes behind him. It's from his back, so you see the whole stadium in front with all the fans, and it's just an, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think that would be wild. I was going to ask you, like, strikeout, home run, dunk, or a big tackle in football, but it sounds like strikeout would be a uh, Strikeout would be up stage, there. I mean, yeah. at the moment, definitely, definitely well, sure, a, a sure, big-time yeah. dunk. I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Like, if you let me dunk on somebody, uh, that would be kind of awesome, especially if we're talking, like, playoffs and right. football or something like that. But overall, I think, like, 
I mean, I mean, I used to remember growing up in Pedro in the big moments, he always got the strikeout. And they'd always count the Ks, but like that last K or last few Ks when it was like a big moment in a postseason game, I mean, it, it almost felt like the entire city was cheering. Like, even though you could, the only people at the park were really cheering, I was watching TV, but like the entire city was literally cheering. It was wild. How does fandom change once you become a professional athlete? Because you obviously grew up as a diehard Ooh. in a lot of these sports. I know you're yeah. not cheering for the Celtics anytime now, uh, but no, I think you're still a pretty big Pats fan. Does the way that you, you watch games, you approach games, kind of change now that you are a pro yourself? A little bit. I think it's, it's more of a standpoint of, like, your peers. I think, you know, the NBA, there's 450 of us. It's a, fr- it's a fraternity in a way. But I think that kind of extends. Like professional sports in general kind of have that. Like there's not many professional athletes in the world. There's a lot of kids that grow up dreaming of being them. Um, and I'm sure all of us that are them at one point were those kids. So that respect level and witnessing guys who are great at their respective sport or their athleticism or their craft if you will is really cool to see from the same seat where you have a you know I mean? an added respect correct 100 percent from a from a, it's a different game potentially like for me like tom brady like because i don't play football like i feel like i can still be a fan of right. the team that i grew up rooting for and that was the patriots and watching what he does and continues to do and how that organization is run and what they do and all of those types of things it's incredible to see it's a true respect and then all of a sudden you get to know him like i had dinner with julian edelman in the summer and different guys and all of a sudden like yeah there's it they're like we're just we're both the same we're both trying to make it in a professional sport we're both trying to have the most success we can we're both trying to help our team win in any way possible but it's cool that one I would say is the one that's a little cool for me because I've always grown up a Patriots fan and because of the length of time Tom Brady's been able to do it so I was a fan of him when I was a kid and now I'm on a level where like maybe someday I'll meet him that will be a little different when we're talking sports that I play it's mutual respect but at the same time like at some point in time, we're going to be across the lines from each other, and uh, you're just another guy that I have to compete against. I had a whole debate with a friend about whether Belichick or Brady are more vital to the Patriots' success. I'll save your answer for another time because we're, we're, we're running out of time, but, but mull over that because I'd be curious uh, your thoughts on it. I, wanna, I don't have to answer that. Yeah, I want to finish with, uh, if, if we will, a little bit of fun, some team superlatives to get to know this, this year's Bucks roster since it is such a special year here yeah. in Milwaukee. Um, let's start off with this. Who's the best trash talker on the team? Who is giving you the business in practice or maybe the other team uh, once you're actually in games? That's a good question. I I don't think we have too many guys that trash talk to each other. Okay. Uh, There's some some fun that's made back and forth towards each other. But, like, a true trash talker to each other, I wouldn't say we have many. I would say... Coach Bud's done a good job of us sticking together. I would, if if we're talking other team, yeah. from us to the other team, I'd say uh, John Henson was pretty good at it. Um, my favorite uh, in the league is Ed Davis. Okay. And it's because it's not like, people think of trash talk and they think of like personal attacks. They think of like guys get into it from the trash talking, but like, Ed will hit you with some stuff that like almost make you like laugh at yourself, <laughs> and it's it's kind of like <laughs> takes you out of yeah, the game yeah, a little bit. It does what he's trying to do. Absolutely. We heard about your singing prowess. How about uh, you can take this any way you want it to go? Singing and dancing, best or worst on the Bucks? Ooh, I would say I'm gonna give 
Dancing, I'm going to give DJ probably props nice. for that. Uh, when we do a circle in the middle, DJ's got some pretty good moves. He throws up the Michael Jackson kick, and he's pretty good at it. Singing, I don't think I've heard anybody sing. I'm going to give it to Malcolm Brogdon just because I think it would be funny to make him sing. If I give him the title of best singer, maybe someday someone will make him sing. There you go. I like it. Um, who on the Bucks would you deem, you remember the Dosa Keys commercials, most interesting man in the world? Who would you give that to? Ursan Elisova. Yeah? Not Why? a question. Ursan Ilyasova and Eric Bledsoe are like two of my favorite guys on the team from a standpoint of I find them like to be some of the funniest guys, which people wouldn't necessarily expect. I yeah. Because I've actually, one of my best friends from home asked me this question a while ago. And when I gave who's the funniest guy on the team, I put said both of them. He was like, that's not, I wouldn't even have <laughs> thought that. But, and it's yeah. not because... They necessarily crack jokes. It's just their personalities to me, I think, are awesome. I think yeah. they're great. I think they really help our team. I think Urson, just with like his background, the things that he's seen, the different teams he's been on, his accent, like everything, <laughs> you, you bring everything into the fold. And I think he would be a really interesting guy to travel the world with right. and see what he's seen. I like it. Uh, how about this one? This is a little odd. Best candidate for the CIA. Who's got that, like, I don't know, laser focus, mystery man personality? For the CIA. Or you think would make, like, a good James Bond character? Ooh. I would, you know, for, for different reasons, I'd probably go with, like, a... Uh, I'd probably go with, like, a Chris Middleton, strictly because, like, he's a little... He can be more reserved, so there are times where, like, his facial reaction won't change. Good and I feel like face. a lot of guys on CIA, like, like they'll be following somebody, but their face won't change, and it's kind of scary actually sometimes. <laughs> uh, uh, for those guys, yeah. not, not for Chris. Right. Uh, and then I'd say I'd say Malcolm's probably just from an intelligence standpoint and yeah. the way he carries himself. I think he'd probably be pretty good at it. I'm guessing you haven't found any skeletons in the president's closet yet in, uh, in no, one year. No, not He's yet. Not yet. In, if he wants to be years. president, we should probably keep it that <laughs> right, way. Sounds good. But, yeah. Uh, last thing, how would you describe yourself? Where would you fit in in, uh, in terms of the team superlatives for the Bucks this year? Uh, what superlatives are you going to give me to describe? I don't know. Well, I, got, I was going to speed through these, but we can just wrap it up. Class clown, best cook, the party starter, most forgetful. Ooh. You fit in any of these? Hopefully none of those. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> so I was thinking. Um... I don't know. I, I'd like to hope there's a, a happy medium yeah. from a balanced standpoint of all. Uh, I'll say this from watching the games. It seems like whether you're, whether you're getting a ton of minutes or not, you are absolutely first guy off the bench, applauding, cheering after a big shot, like that hype guy. But it, it's not someone who's not playing. It's someone who's just that supportive of his teammates while also making a big impact in your play. Yeah, I think it's important. Uh, again, back to Ed Davis. I mean, one of the best things he said to me or advice he gave me, and it was probably like my first week or two in Portland my rookie year was the NBA has highs and lows you got to try your best to be the same guy every single day no matter how it's going there's going to be days where you miss a ton of shots there's going to be days where you don't play for whatever the re- like no matter what the case is you don't want that emotional roller coaster or it's going to be tough to succeed you want to be the same guy every single day uh, as far as the superlative uh, you know maybe the mayor maybe someday I'll be the mayor of some place I like it I'd vote for you, Pat. Appreciate, <laughs> Appreciate it, man. Thanks no a lot problem. for doing this. Anytime. Hopefully a lot of highs in uh, your future here in Milwaukee and then like for the that. Bucks as well. So yeah. like.
We are very excited to have Jenna Sachs joining us for this week's Fox 6 Pack of Questions. Uh, a wonderful reporter and investigator and now leading the Contact 6 division here at Fox 6, but more importantly, an expert podcaster. So as I uh, get into this venture, I need your advice, Jenna, on a number of things. We do have a podcast. It's called Open Record. Great so you listen. Can go download it now. You should definitely check it out. And hear about all the investigations we're doing at Fox 6. So thanks for the plug. That's a little bit more of a serious topic. Uh, we're going to get into some of the more fun side of things that have nothing to do with work here with Jenna, who started in 2011 here at Fox 6. And I'm going to start with this. Besides the job, obviously great place to work. You want to move to Milwaukee. What drew you to the city? What did you like about the area that you wanted to move here? Well, I always wanted to end up in a city. You know, when you start in TV news, you kind of have to go to smaller markets first. And it was kind of hard for me after college because all of my friends were going to Chicago and New York and, you know, Minneapolis. They were all moving to the cities. And my first job was in La Crosse, Wisconsin, which is a great community, but, you know, not exactly where you want to go when you're 22 sure. years old. So I'm I having went, lots of flashbacks to the different places I lived in. Right. And La Crosse is a dream compared yeah. to some of the other places I could have gone. But, you know, I went from La Crosse to Green Bay, which is another great city. But, I, you know, I really wanted to be somewhere that had, you know, places to go, museums, theater, restaurants, all that stuff. So I was really excited when I came to Milwaukee and I just didn't realize how much else it has to offer because the lakefront is beautiful, like beautiful. The trail system is great if you're a runner, which I am. So there was just so much going on and I lived on the east side for eight years and I loved it right off of Brady Street. So it was just so great to be able to just walk out your door, sit on a cafe on a whim, walk to the coffee shop on a Saturday morning. So there was just so much to do in the city and it was so beautiful being down there by the lake. I got really excited the first place I worked that actually showed up on interstate signs. Like when I could find an interstate that had a destination where I actually worked, I was like, man, I made it. It's such a big deal. Exactly. So we always wanted to get to a city, my husband and I. And so once we got here, we thought, you know, I think we're going to stay. Good place to make a home. You guys have certainly done that. Uh, So outside of work, outside of home, and I know it's quite busy now with twins and an older uh, daughter as well. Where are we most likely to find you around town? Well, my twins are 14 months. So up until like the last month, (laughs) I was exclusively in my house. Right. (laughs) So it was very hard to get out. But now that the weather's nice, we're able to get out a bit more. So we're going to the different parks. We're going to the festivals. We've taken them out to eat a few times. Brave. It's a very big deal. So we're starting to venture outside our house. But I have to admit, up until recently, we did not leave. We didn't even go (laughs) into our basement because it was too hard to move all the kids from the main level to the basement. Just trying to keep everything in control for a little bit. Right. So now, now you might find us out around town. Jenna's great, too. I've gotten lots of child uh, parenting advice from you uh, over my last few months exploring this. Uh, What and where was the last great meal that you had around the area now that you are getting out and about exploring? Uh... Well, we don't go out to eat, <laughs> like, <laughs> really nice places. Um, we went out for Father's Day at, like, a local cafe-type cool. restaurant. I mean, I'm really into the edamame salad at Sendix right there now. There we go. All right. Uh, so that's about as exciting as it gets for me. <laughs> I'm not a very exciting guest right now. But if you have the chance, the edamame salad is very good. It's also very healthy. Um, and so easy go. to grab and go when you're juggling lots of things. Right? right. So I go in there and I get like four tins <laughs> and I stock up my fridge for the week. Load up. I like it. Uh, if you were in a movie, Hollywood Comes Calling, who would you want to play you? The story of Jenna Sachs's life. Well, I don't know if it, it's who I'd want to play me, but <laughs> I've been told by a few people that 
Anne Hathaway reminds uh, me of them. Not right. that we like look so much alike, but peop- I think she has an awkwardness that I also have. <laughs> how do you interpret that comparison? Well, that's how I'm interpreting it <laughs> okay. when people say, you know, you kind of remind me of her in, your, in her mannerisms. And I think, oh, I've seen that. And <laughs> she seems like a lovely, smart person. There you go. I should focus on that. But I'm like, oh, I think we both have a little bit of that awkwardness to ourselves. Very so successful, that's probably, though. She is yeah. successful. Thank you. <laughs> it's worked out well for both right. of you. Right. She has an Oscar. Uh, outside of your incredible reporting talent, what is a talent or skill that we should know about? Like talent or skills? Yeah. Um, this is a weird talent. Love I can it. like... I can, like, shake my eyes really fast back and forth. Have Wait, you ever what? seen that? No. Like, I, I, not a lot of people can do it. <laughs> like, if I look, it looks kind of okay. like I'm possessed. I'm afraid to, should this I? This won't come through with the podcast, but please show me but right you, now. If you, like, uh, YouTube it, you can see okay. other people doing it, and it's kind of scary. Have you ever, Leanne's dying. Leanne, our producing partner, is cracking. You, you have know? to, you have to do this for me right now. Are you now. quite ready? Yeah. Okay. All right, she's, she's walking close. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, none of that's going to translate to an audio recording, but that was one of the freakier things I've ever seen. It's not very cute either. It's pretty scary looking. It's like a vibration, like crazy fast. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That was not at all what I was expecting. I don't have any real talents. I I don't know if that counts as a talent. That might be a medical condition you need to get checked out. That's about all I do. I was really good at string bracelets wow. when I was little, too. I could make really good ones. That's about <laughs> it. That's all I got. I don't know how we're going to top this, but we have one more question for you. What is the most random job you've ever had? Um, I was a waitress a lot. I worked at Baker Square. Oh, okay. Um, you know, serving up pie, and when I went back behind, you know, the counters, I was eating pie all the time, which I'm pretty sure is not allowed um, for food It's a perk of the job, reasons. right? No. Um, random jobs. I mean, I was a camp counselor. I nice. taught sailing oh, okay. um, at a girl's camp yeah. that I attended for many years. Do you so. still sail? Do you have the skills? I haven't done it in a while. I know how to. Yeah. Um, my brother-in-law is a competitive sailor. Wow. My sister was on the University of Wisconsin sailing team. Um, I never like competed, but I know enough about the boats to run one. Fascinating. But I haven't done that in a long time. We have learned quite a lot about you today, Jenna. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Fox Six Pack of Questions, and I will never be able to get that sight out of my eyes. And with that, and it's really hard to put into words what that just was, we will wrap up another episode of Definitely Milwaukee. A few thank yous, first and foremost, to Pat Connaughton for hanging out for so long. Great to catch up with him and really looking forward to seeing what he does in year two with the Bucks. And a thank you to Jenna Sachs for sharing a skill or talent or something that I will never be able to forget. One other huge thank you to Leanne Watson, who does so much behind the scenes to make this podcast possible and put it all together. If you do want more Definitely Milwaukee, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and others as well. And if you don't mind leaving us a review and a rating, that really helps us get this off the ground here in the early goings. Plus, you can also download the latest episode anytime on fox6now.com. Till next time. Tribune Audio Network.